Hello and welcome to Negan Report, your weekly roundup of all the latest Negan news and all other announcements that we found interesting. It's Constantine on one side of the screen and Becky is... Over here. <laughs> across the pond somewhere below the equator. The equator. It's it's going fine. Bit jet lagged, but we're ready and raring to go with this uh, very exciting Nikon firmware update, which is going to challenge my mental capabilities this morning. I thought your reality at the same time, but... Look, it's not a big update. That's the good thing. So we don't need to spend the whole video on it. You know, I think it's reasonably good update for the 0.1 edition, you know. So what did they do back? So the biggest improvement has actually been in the autofocus area. It also addresses an issue that users had been encountering at sporting events. The first brand new feature is a high frequency flicker reduction mode. Mm -hmm. But shall we start with the autofocus all right, let's do this then. So autofocus is now better at tracking small subjects. Did you know that? I did know that. So essentially they've made the face and eye detection autofocus mode stickier, as they call it, mm -hmm. in the AFC modes with improved autofocus. So essentially if you're taking pictures of things like small birds, what would sometimes mm -hmm. happen is the point, once you moved off the subject and then tried to move back on, the camera would struggle a little bit or if the subject moved erratically then the focus point would lose the subject so they've essentially fixed that which is great what i think is there's not really a small bird in photography there's not a lens that long enough to fill the frame with that bird so all you need to do really is get 800 mil and be done with it <laughs> 800 mil and a two times converter and you're good to go exactly just to be on the safe side i would say yeah another interesting sort of autofocus development, which I will read straight off the firmware update, is that they fix an issue that resulted in the camera focusing on the background when single point AF, dynamic area AF, small or medium, was selected for mm -hmm. AF area mode. Or when wide area AF, C1 and C2, which are the custom modes, were selected with a custom focus size of one by one. So pretty niche there, but essentially the camera in certain autofocus modes would focus on the background. That would be annoying. Mm, makes sense. I would say, you know, I didn't understand anything you said right now, but I assume that those focus is better and hopefully people notice the difference. Exactly. So let's talk about the high frequency flicker reduction because this is a new feature. So maybe you can explain this to me because I didn't totally understand what what they added. Yeah. So at the beginning, I thought it's a flicker reduction that we would have with Nikon cameras for quite some time now. And it's just a flicker warning that normally comes up when you look through the viewfinder. You know, DA50, DA10 had it, all the later DSLRs. But then I've looked more into that and it's actually a completely different thing. So it's basically designed for stills photographers who are shooting sports events or some events that include LEDs in the background. So effectively, imagine you're photographing a football and you've got the LED advertisements at the background. And what you will get is actually instead of seeing the full light, going through the LED panel, you actually will see what they call flicker. So you got certain lines. So some areas are going to be well lit, some areas are going to be completely black. And what this setting allows you to do, which you can assign um, to a function button, it allows you to set up a very specific shutter speed that effectively will eliminate that flicker. And it will allow you to do that not by third of a stop, but 96 of a, of a stop effectively. So you can fine tune it to the way so you get the full LED in the background. It's not flickering or could be, you know, car lights, etc., etc., and then take the shots this way. So very niche application, but for people who use this stuff, it will be a godsend. So I think it's quite good. 
I would recommend you to have a look at Rich's video where he explained it in a lot more detail, but this is kind of the gist of it. Excellent. I think that considering that the camera is aimed for professional sports photographers as a large portion of their sort of demographic, it makes sense to have this feature, even if it's not applicable to a lot of other people. All right, next up, they said you can expect better results from vibration reduction during panning shots taken with the camera mm -hmm. pointing up and down when you've got an option other than offset for VR, which is kind of self-explanatory. They've also fixed some other issues to do with custom settings and lenses not focusing, for example, or the shutter release being disabled when certain modes are selected, which is quite important. Modes like aperture lock not being able to be assigned assigning recall shooting functions would then essentially lose your saved functions so like little bug fixes auto distortion mm -hmm. control camera wouldn't always recognize picture controls in very very specific instances when using the mac edition of the picture control utility lots and lots of bug fixes so for anyone that has a z9 that was going oh this is weird it's not working maybe it's me Maybe it's not you. Maybe it's the camera. So update your firmware and you can find out. That's true. I mean, you know, when people like Tom Hogan publish an article where he compares the autofocus systems of DSLRs versus autofocus systems of the cameras, and he talks about generation of Z9, effectively, which has one camera at the moment in there, he always said that actually the autofocus performance of Z9 is amazing. But as with everything, and bear with me on this one, you actually need to know how to use your camera in terms of, you know, and how to use the advantages of that autofocus system that is given to you. So in terms of this, I think it's nice that they release new firmwares. The Z9 has been fast already, and obviously now it's got even better. But just sum it up a little bit. So we've got autofocus improvement and continuous focusing. We've got vibration reduction improvement. And the most important one, in my opinion, is high frequency flicker reduction. So I think it's definitely worth updating and not skipping this one. For sure. And if you want more detailed looks on how the autofocus has improved, we have two videos. So Rishi's, which we mentioned before, where he's actually talked about all of the improvements or the vast majority of them. And also Vahan from Vahography, who has done a Z9 firmware 2.1 update, autofocus test tracking birds specifically. So if that's helpful to you, then do go and check those out. Okay, I have a question for you, Becky. So there's a bit of drama on the internet happening right now. Drama on the internet? Really? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It's it's It never happened before. Unusual. But the new drama at the moment is the amount of focusing points on the sensor of the camera. So Z9 has 493, and apparently the R3 has 4,779 points, and Sony A1 has 759. Goodness. Apparently... According this starts, Z9 is not good enough, and people think that autofocus of Z9 is not good enough just based on focusing point. Is it true, Becky? Let me know, please. Definitely not. I mean, autofocus performance is not based on how many points the camera has, but actually how well it's it how you use focus. them. It's how you use it exactly. It's not. It's not how many points you have. It's how you use them. I think that should be our new motto. Obviously, there's always going to be internet you know, Nikon bashers, those people exist. They are a whole demographic in themselves and uh, we can't help them, unfortunately. <laughs> yes, just how we gather around for the moral support of releases of Z30 where we help each other. There's a Nikon bash that is organized weekly on the internet. Yeah, which we have nothing to do with, obviously. I'm normally at home under the blanket at this moment, just hiding from the bricks flying at me. <laughs>
Uh, I mean, as far as the Z9 autofocus performance goes, it's had nothing but rave reviews. And we've had so many people who have compared it with the Sony and the Canon and say that actually the performance itself, the actual performance based on real life testing, the Z9 comes out better. So I think that the point of how many autofocus points it has is a little bit irrelevant. That's my stand on it. Amen to that. Amen. All right, let's move on to some other news. We got a bit of a patent, which is a weird one that was found by Asobinet. And apparently, it's the patent that was published on July the 7th in Japan. And it's a Nikon patent which involves the optical system that seems to be related to 7200 2.8 Z lens. Now, the question is obviously, is it a new 7200 2.8 S lens, which I don't think it is? Or is it something else that is based on this? So who knows, maybe 7200 F4. Something like that is definitely needed and there is a gap for it in the system and on the roadmap. So it would be lovely if they do that. What it looks like is that a lot of the systems inside the lens have been adopted from the 7200. They look very, very similar. It is a little bit of an assumption that it's a 7200 2.8 or that it's something similar to that. Patents don't necessarily mean anything, that's the thing, because they file them all the time for lots of different products that then don't work out. But it would be interesting to know if we were to get maybe, you know, like a, a 75 to, to 250 or something to complement mm. the notch Tamron 28 to 75 2.8 that we saw a few months back. So maybe it could be something like that. When you said not Tamron, you stole my joke because they use a 75 to 252.8 lens, and I'm sure that Nikon will eventually announce that out of the blue. Um, now, do you think that is it time for 7200 Mark II to happen, or do you think it's a bit too early? Absolutely not. There is nothing you can improve on that 70 to 200. It is an absolutely stunning lens, and having used it quite a lot recently in some of our more recent videos, I'm very impressed with it. I don't think that there's anything that you could change or that's needed on that one. So so no, it's a no from me. It's a no from me as well. So two of us already voted no. So the third person doesn't really count, does it? No, it doesn't. I'm just thinking uh, Britain's Got Talent for some reason. <laughs> Sorry, although there's usually four judges on there. But anyway. Is there? Um, I thought there yeah. were three. It's usually four. Well, that just tells you a lot about how much TV I watch. Exactly. All right, let's go to the lenses that actually exist. So obviously the 400 millimeter came out very recently and what Nikon did, Nikon updated their lens roadmap, now including that lens in the roadmap. So now let's have a look at it. And we still have six lenses that are missing. So we're missing the 26 millimeter, which is a pancake, looks mm -hmm. like about the size of 1.4 teleconverter. There's also 24 DX lens, 1228DX lens, and then we've got the big hitters like 85mm S-Line, 200-600, and 600mm Prime. What do you reckon, Bex? What's we going to see next? I'm personally really, really hoping for this wide-angle DX lens sooner rather than later. I think that with all the love for the Z30 from vloggers and uh, the people that do content creation, and also just how good the Z50 and ZFC are. We need a wide angle lens for that. But at the same time, I'm really looking forward to an 85 mil prime. I, I know we have a huge number of people begging for the 200 to 600, but I think we've had enough telephoto lenses for a little while. Maybe the 200 to 600 could wait until the end of the year. 
Hopefully nobody will shoot me for saying that. Yeah, Becky, you are now a naughty list for a lot of people. I am. Absolutely agreed with you that 1228 is going to be fantastic for vlogging because you can put it on some sort of stabilizer on that little small rig uh, tripod thingy that they supplied with the vlogger kit. And that will give you a really nice wide angle of view and enough depth of field to not come out out of focus, which is going to be great. I also agree, H5, we need to have H5. I mean, I need H5 in my life. I'm ready to switch for the Z native version. I'm also intrigued by 26 millimeter lens. I still don't know what it is. It looks tiny. I don't understand the focal distance because it's supposed to be full frame. So why not have 24, 28 there? So yeah. I'm really intrigued with this. I want to know what it is. Could be pinhole lens, could be something like F8, F11, you never know. It could be, but I think that we might also see a focal length change, a little bit like we did with the macro, where we didn't get a 60mm macro, we got a 50mm macro, and maybe in practical terms they might revisit that focal length because it would make far more sense to have a 20 or a 22 than to have a 26 and a 28mm pancake lens, in my opinion. Totally agree. Okay, so now let's go to some other things that are coming soon. Nikon Rumors published hands-on pictures of a physical upcoming Nikon MC N10 remote grip for Nikon Z cameras. It's something they announced with 400mm 2.8 back in the day. And now we actually have physical pictures of the products. It looks pretty much as, as the rendered shots that Nikon supplied. Looks very interesting. I would like to try it at some point since we've got those the video head that we can attach it to, but I don't really know much about it and I don't really know views of that particular product, but I'm sure that the videographers among us, they will see it as a very useful addition to Nikon lineup. I think so too. It's definitely a tool for those full-time video shooters as opposed to someone who just shoot stills so it'll be interesting to see what the response is like from the videography area when it's actually out there in the world absolutely and you can spend quite a bit of time on the video features of uh, z9 and i'm sure that future Nikon cameras will have those as well so that's really good news and i think that if they can capture that market that will add more people to Nikon system now talking of Moving people to the Nikon system, there is some Z30 news. DP Review have actually published a comparison between the Sony ZV-E10 versus the Nikon Z30, which is the best vlogging camera. They have said that the cameras are very similar in many respects, which makes it hard to choose between them. If they were primarily shooting stills, they'd probably opt for the Nikon. They say the better kit zoom and smoother sharing experience with Snapbridge definitely count in its favor, as does the front and rear dial control setup. It's full-width video if you want 4K, 30p is also a distinct advantage. The things that go in the Sony's favor are actually the better battery life and the fact that they have a head so headphone socket as well as the larger range of lenses because we are obviously still waiting on some more DX lenses. But there are so many lenses available now for the Z system that I think that that's a little bit of a moot point. I agree. Absolutely. And then we also have Tom Hogan's take on this comparison and he highlights pretty much the same features. He doesn't like Z30, like a lot of our viewers as well, just based on... It's not for him. It's not it's for not you, for Tom. Him, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But he agrees that those cameras are going to be supplied to big stores like Costco's targets um, yeah. of the world. You know, So in terms of this, they're going to move those units. I do agree with him that it's not ideal to have the same camera in three different skins while aiming a different public effectively because we have obviously Z50 was aimed at kind of first DX camera, very small. Then we had ZFC, which is effectively was the same camera with a small edition 
And then it was like, it's a vintage camera, you know, for casuals and, you know, hipsters over the world, let's say. And obviously people who have nostalgia about Nikon equipment. And then now we have Z30, which is effectively the same camera, but now it's aimed at a different group of people, which is vloggers group. But the good news on this, price is getting smaller and smaller. So, you know, uh, we're paying less and less for the same tech. It doesn't affect Nikon production line, in my opinion, because effectively they're using the same parts, just different casing. So people were concerned about how does it affect Nikon full frame production. I don't think it does because it's produced on the same line. But I think all the criticisms and positives that we have about this camera, I think they're all valid and they come from different groups of people. So in terms of this, yes, it's maybe not a camera for a lot of people, but also it is a camera for a lot of people as well that maybe were not interested in Nikon equipment before and they will get into the system and potentially buy more expensive products later on. Exactly. Now, also on Z30 News, Nikon Asia actually released a brochure for it. They don't do print brochures anymore, but they've released a PDF brochure, which you can go and check out. We'll include a link in the description box and in the podcast notes for you. Yeah, just have a look at this cover and that's kind of the target you know, group of people that they're aiming at. So people it's clearly not me. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't do foundation, if you know that. It's all natural, you know. So, it's but all... obviously, when I start, I will buy Z30 for sure. Yeah. As soon as you start your beauty blog. Exactly. Exactly. Now, Nikon also have different brochures available in PDF form on this website. I couldn't find those on Nikon UK website. So, Nikon Asia is where it's at. And there's a whole Z Lenses catalog with the sample pictures taking nice. those lenses. So I think it's nice to have those kind of examples. They're more visual, that you'll give a good idea for a lot of people which lens to choose. You know how people ask, shall I get 28 or 35 mil? And it's very difficult to say, or 35 or 50 mil. And you always need to say, well, it really depends on what photography you do and what subjects you capture, etc., etc." So to have those visual samples, those photographs to see, I think will give an idea to a lot of people if they're not sure what to get. But there's also a brochure on Z9. There's a bunch of brochures on Nikon DSLRs even. So if you want to get this or D5 brochure, it's over there as well. But it also has brochure on the current Nikon accessories. So what's interesting to me that they list current flash guns, which is SB5000, SB700, SB500, and SB300, which was discontinued, as current Z products. I personally think that we are due for refresh on yes. Z line. Agreed. They don't need to be much different, just add radio um, frequencies on all of them and maybe do a slightly different case and maybe make them a little bit more balanced on those cameras. But overall, I think we are definitely due for the overhaul. Agreed. Moving on, moving on. A quick reminder for you, the Nikon summer promotion over here in the UK and also in Europe, that ends on July 18th. So if you have been thinking about taking advantage of it, please do it this week so that you can avoid any disappointment because once those prices are gone, they are gone. That's true. And then there's a discount to be had like from £90 to whopping £270 on certain bits of equipment. So it's nice to have those things in place, especially... If you look at the United States right now, it seems like they're going to get a price hike very, very soon. According to Nikon rumors, someone tipped them off and said that price hike is coming on 1st of August, and that's mainly will affect Nikon Z lenses. Now, in UK and Europe, we had our price hike on 1st of April, so it seems like the same price hike is now coming to the United States. So again, if you're in the United States, do get your equipment before that just because you never know how much they're going to increase the price yes okay well the next one is going to be fun next up nikon releases lufact ultra compact machine vision camera this is actually a camera designed to attach to small parts that can be used for 
Manufacturing, for example, says to help accelerate the digital transformation at manufacturing sites, which uh, is an interesting marketing spiel, I would say. But anyway, Lufact is Nikon's first machine vision camera, leveraging their specialized image processing technology that's been developed across many years, obviously, of digital camera innovation. It's very small and tiny. It, you separate, they've actually They've actually separated the camera head that captures the images from the interface conversion unit. Mm -hmm. So power brick, basically, or something that has most of the guts that process the footage. Exactly. So you've got a processor separate to a camera. The camera actually would go into very tiny spaces. The power brick or processor would be on the outside. It's quite an interesting idea. The key fe features of it include the ultra compact form factor, reduced heat emission in the production line. So it means it doesn't get overheated and actually reduces heating in the existing machinery as well as production line, mm -hmm. which I suppose is important, really, if you're dealing with uh, machinery. Yes, absolutely. You can also select different camera heads according to what you need. So there's a high sensitivity model and a high resolution model, depending on whether obviously you're shooting in low light or perhaps need a high resolution, but in better lighting conditions. It's like an interchangeable lens camera, essentially, in that respect. Yeah, you know, it reminds me, it's like D2X versus D2H or something like this. You know, you got high res and then, Just you know, much and then one super sensitive <laughs> in low light. Exactly. In much, much smaller group. But also the brick at the back is the same. So effectively, you know, you buy whichever camera you need and then the brick comes with it anyway. Yeah. And then it also has easy to develop camera control applications using a software development kit. So they've essentially included an API for this camera specifically, which basically means that it should be easy enough to use and manipulate the footage after taking it. And uh, there's a full list of all the specifications, if you're interested, on the Nikon website, which we will include in the description box for you. Exactly. And API means you also can implement that technology, you know, the software technology that comes with the camera into the software that you already use for manufacturing. So it's interesting in terms of Nikon getting into the manufacturing process as well. So, you know, recreating tools for that. Again, not exactly a camera-worthy news, but it is a camera after all. It's the camera that Nikon have brought out, so there you go. Exactly. Let's move on to some corporate news. Yes, so Nikon have announced the start of a construction for their new head office in Tokyo, which looks very snazzy indeed. All right, so the completion is expected in May 2024, and it's basically they're building the construction of a new head office in a vacant land within the premises of oil plant in Shinagawaku, Tokyo. So that's where they had their previous factory. And so they basically effectively build in the same place, which is a nice homage. So it's really good. And it seems to me that, you know, when people say, you know, that Nikon is dying and Nikon is going bankrupt, it looks like it's not all doom and gloom. Yeah, and not all true either. Uh, so they are, as part of their sort of ethos of creating this space, they're consolidating an advanced R&D-related division, which is exciting for us in terms of new products, and also creating a workplace that supports flexible work styles. Looks like it's also going to be an environmentally friendly building, which, mm -hmm. uh, which is great and is definitely part of Nikon's overall ethos going forward, that they are as carbon neutral as possible. It's... Actually, the building is designed with a solar shielding exterior facade to reduce the amount of energy required for things like air conditioning, as well as promoting natural ventilation, plentiful daylight being allowed into the system. It's going to be 
a quite a nice place to work, I should say. Yeah, sounds great, isn't it? I think if I would have an office, I would want it to be a Nikon's office. Yes. <laughs> now on to other exciting Nikon news. They are set to support the 150th Open, which is golf, for those of you that don't know. Uh, they are an official patron of the Open, and it is the 150th year. I really wanted to be there this time around. <laughs> anyway. Well, you went last year, didn't you? I did, yes. I went last time. This year, it's in St. Andrews. The Open is one of the world's most prestigious tournaments. If you've never been to a golf tournament, even if you're not a fan or a follower of the sport, it's well worth experiencing it in person at least once. But it is one of the major golfing events in the world. And for the next five years, Nikon have renewed its official patronage of the Open, which is great. And they've also newly become a patron of the AIG Women's Open, which is fantastic. So that supports women golfers. It's really, really good. Obviously, a part of having Nikon logos everywhere on the event itself, they're also going to have a service station where they can do a quick fixes, do the sense cleans, and also rent out some lenses to professional photographers. So as with all uh, sports events that Nikon cover, like we covered the swimming event in Budapest uh, a couple of weeks ago, so they try to help the photographers who are shooting the event with anything that they need while they shoot it. Exactly. Now, more Nikon news. Nikon Plaza in Switzerland has reopened as of the 7th of July. It is Nikon Swiss headquarters. They're based in Egg near Zurich. So it houses the Nikon school, the Nikon repair center, and the Nikon store all under one roof at the Nikon Plaza Schweiz. So if you are Swiss or in Switzerland and you need some Nikon repairs done, or you want to go to the Nikon school, that's now open and that's good news for you. Sounds good. And then we also have a couple of financial news from Nikon. So we're not going to bother you with this, but Nikon continues to buy back their own shares, which is a good thing. They've added to date 1,561,000 shares to date. And they also issued a notice regarding disposable treasury stock as restricted stock remuneration. And basically what it tells them that they had a meeting among all the directors and they decided to renew the compensation system that a lot of CEOs and directors have. But this one is based on performance of the company. So it's slightly new for more details. You can look at those PDFs, those documents, and decide if it's worth the news or not. Now onto third party news, we have found a carbon fiber lens foot for the Z400 and 800mm lenses. And a very quick shout out to Andy for sending us over an email regarding this. He said, I worked with an Italian manufacturer who sent me a prototype and have now released their replacement foot for the 400 and 800mm Z lenses. It's much lighter than the original foot and also a Kirk plate. So it's lighter than the, the sort of very popular Kirk. They may also create a version with a longer rear part. I had no issues using or balancing mine with a Z9 L bracket and both lenses with or without teleconverters. The foot is actually made in Italy and priced at 229 euros. And we will include a link for you if you would like to go and check that out. Absolutely. Thank you, Andy, for all your contributions to Nikon Society as well as this channel. Absolutely. Now, Viltrox have released an NFZ autofocus lens adapter, which is essentially everything that an FTZ adapter does. It has upgradable firmware. It currently costs $139 directly from Viltrox's website. And that's probably about, what, $110 cheaper than an FTZ2? Yeah, well, the FTZ2 is priced at 249 Now, Becky, I have a question for you. Obviously, at 139 for FTZ adapter, which is basically does the same thing as FTZ2 adapter or FTZ1 because it's got this bump with a tripod mount on it. 
Would you buy Nikon or Viltrox instead? Obviously, Viltrox is firmware upgradable, and I guess if you're a third-party manufacturer, you need to have that because as soon as the, let's say, camera firmware comes out, it may break the compatibility of the third-party accessories. But what would you buy yourself just based on price? Well, to be honest, if I was buying a camera, then over here in the UK and in the USA, you get a discount when you buy an FTZ2 with a camera. It's usually about £85 or similar in dollars. So it actually makes the FTZ2 much closer in price to, to the Viltrox. And I would personally go for the genuine Nikon one, which you can also update the firmware on if Nikon bring out a firmware update. But at the same time, I can understand the desire to save a little bit and go for a third-party one, particularly if you're using lots of third-party F-mount lenses because there may be an issue with Nikon not supporting some of those third-party lenses and then they won't do firmware updates for those, for example. That's true. And based on the price, I would go for the second-hand FTZ if you can because then the price is more comparable compared to the new one. But you're absolutely right. If you buy a Nikon Z camera, always get it as a bundle with an FTZ adapter just for the reason that you're saving quite a bit. And you never know because especially a lot of people coming from Nikon F-mount systems, so you may have already lenses that will go on it. But even if you, let's say, switch from another brand, just get an adapter just in case because... You can resell it probably at the same price if you don't use it, but you can also look into the massive range of F-mount glass that can be used on that cameras as well. Exactly. Yeah, the next one up, the Venus Optics Laova 1224 f5.6 full frame lens that we talked about announcement last week. It now has been officially released by uh, Laova, and we now know the price. So it's $649, so the Nikon option is 14 to 30 at f4, so it's 5.6 versus f4, but 14.30 is priced at $1,300. So again, question for you, Becky, would you buy Laova lens for 650 or would you go for the Nikon glass for 1,300 pounds? I mean, without seeing the results, I can't say for sure, but for me, who's a very occasional use wide angle lens user now, I don't shoot that wide that often. I'm very interested to see how this one performs. If it's as good or or good enough, should I say, for most landscapes and interiors, then I'd be interested to pick up a Laowa. Yeah, I agree with you, absolutely. Obviously, we need to see the reviews of the lens. Again, as a tight budget option, it's pretty good. Unfortunately, we don't have anything uh, from Nikon that is similar price. So I personally think if you don't need a wide aperture, and again, most of those lenses are being used for, let's say, architecture or landscape type photography where you would use small apertures like f11 or f16 anyway, so you don't really need to be wide open, then it could be a good option. But I would say let's wait and just see the reviews first before committing to something like this. For sure. Now, Focus Studio have started shipping a pre-production version of the TT Artisan 32mm f2.8, which is an AF lens for the Nikon Z system. The pre-sale model is a product that will be sold at a special price in limited quantity because of the design being slightly different from the regular model that will be released in the future. That's quite an interesting sort of marketing concept. What do you think about that going forward, Con, of people sending out an earlier version well that's the thing that's that's basically why i highlighted it because it's effectively a pre-production pre-production model it's not just mm. you know something that was given to someone to review no these are actually selling a pre-production because the final version will have different optical design what does it tell me i'm not 100 sure but first of all it's limited quantity so limited quantities is how many yeah is it 100 lenses a thousand lenses or ten thousand lenses but also i would say at the price of 153 pounds 
that's mm. uh, which is 25,000 yen so I assume it's about 153 plus maybe um, uh, customs etc but for 153 maybe it's not that bad to buy it at this price it's not that expensive and you get your autofocus lens which is 32 mil and it apparently is a full frame lens so as a kind of trial testing lens it could be interesting but I would like to know what's actually the what's the actual price of that lens will be the official release not the pre-production model so if the official release is like 300 pounds then 150 is a bargain but again yeah. it may come with all sorts of artifacts like uh, purple freezing chromatic aberration and maybe very slow focusing that all those things can be fine-tuned for the final release but again it's it's one of those like a kickstarter things in a way that's you just buy those and hoping it's going to be good. But again, you can't really complain if your lens is not good when you receive it because the official lens is out by now. Yeah, it's a, it is definitely an odd one and an interesting marketing ploy, I would say, to, to release a lens before it's actually ready. We did do a review of the DX TT Artisan 35, I believe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's it's a small, light, not expensive lens under a hundred pounds. $90, isn't it? Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. So I'm not expecting sort of amazing things from this lens, but the fact that it's an autofocus native Z yeah. lens is quite interesting. Speaking of 35 millimeters, Greys Westminster now have the Voigtlander 35 mil F2 Apo Lansar lens in stock. So if you've been waiting for that native Z manual focus lens to come out, uh, then it is now available. And it's very nice indeed. We tested it ourselves, didn't we? It is very, very special. I would call it juicy even since it's <laughs> summer, but uh, it's very, very interesting. Again, if you can pass the autofocus on your lenses, if you can just, you know, open your heart to manual focus glass, Apple lenses are some of the best lenses currently available for Nikon Z mount. That's where it's at. Moving on to lighting news, Godox announced a new Lux Junior retro flash for Nikon cameras, which is priced at a mere $69. So what does that give you, Con? Well, I think $69 is really cheap and cheerful. And it's a small and light flash. Looks the part. Yeah, so it's nice and retro. It won't give you TTL. That's one thing that everyone needs to remember. So, But it has an A mode. There's basically automatic flash where the flash measures the exposure and then fires accordingly. And generally, I would say, well, it's not as accurate as TTL. It will get you there. So in terms of this, it will fit right up on your ZFC or perhaps FM3 camera or FM2. Nice and pocketable. Again, if you're a flash guy, maybe it's not going to be your main flash to use. But if you travel a lot and you want to have something small and pocketable, then it's a nice thing to have because you can quickly put it on the camera, take a quick shot, put it back in your pocket. So I personally seriously consider to add this one to my list of equipment to purchase because nowadays small flash guns are very difficult to come by, especially the Nikon ones, the old ones that fit FM cameras. They are, well, not that expensive, but they're difficult to come by and they're generally bigger than this Godox offering. Great. Okay, well, now we have a bit of film news for you. Ilford has announced its price increase in August and they sent us the list of what is going to be increased in price. So HP5 and FP4 film, those are generally favorites for a lot of people. We'll have 10% increase. Delta 100-400 pound F will also have 10% increase and then there's a small increases on 
other stocks of films and paper, photo paper, as well as chemicals. So again, since price increases happen all the time, we would recommend you maybe buy your chemicals or buy your film right now. This can last you for a couple of years or so. Yeah, absolutely. It is unfortunately inevitable that we'll see price increases, but... If you get a heads up from us, then hopefully it can avoid hurting the wallet too much. That's true. But also, if you think about it, black and white film photography is probably the cheapest way to shoot a film nowadays. And especially if you start to look into the medium format or even large format photography, something like 5x4 or 8x10, black and white film is by far the cheapest. And in UK, it's probably the same as in the United States. If it is also cheaper than Codex black and white offerings. And even with price increase, they still will be cheaper. HP5 Plus is one of my favorite films. I know a lot of people shoot Kodak 400TX per se, and both films are quite pushable and pullable, but I would say if you have to look in your budget, HP5 is fantastic value for money. And if you use Ilford films yourself or shoot black and white, let us know in the comments below. Let's move on to reviews then. Yes, so starting with an unlikely candidate for reviews, but I'm very, very happy that this video has been made. It's entitled 54 Jobs and Running with the Nikon Z50 1.2S pure workhorse by the monochrome memoirs now i'm a huge fan of this lens honestly if i could just have one lens for every job it would probably be the 51.2 because it's incredibly versatile for the kind of stuff that i do but if you're interested in having a look do go check that video out it is on youtube and we've included the link in the description box for you Exactly. It's always nice to see the reviews by professional photographers who use the equipment and not just the YouTubers or influencers. So I would personally agree. Those are reviews that I personally look to when I choose my equipment. Exactly. And then we have the Nikon 660 gig CF Express B card tested by Matt Granger. He calls it the new king of speed, question mark, question mark. Uh, priced at $727, Matt does call it one of the best value cards in terms of performance, in terms of gig per dollar. But go and have a look at that because there's so many CF Express cards now available on the market. And it's, it's good to know what people who have actually tested it in anger think about the speed performance of this Nikon card. And the last review we have is DC Watch Public Review on the newly announced Megadap ETZ21 adapter, which is Sony adapter that will fit Nikon Z mount. So the one we reviewed a couple of weeks ago, there's another one for you. So if you're a Sony user and you seriously consider switching to Z system, this is the adapter you need. There you go. And for your weekend read and watch segment, we have analyzing Nikon lens characteristics or Nikkor lens characteristics as I should say by Nikon. So the article talks about the new way of designing lenses using Optio which is short for optical performance and total image analyzer which sounds a lot like somebody just wanted to spell the word Optio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which can measure lens characteristics in combination with an image simulator that actually generates simulated images based on the data. That then allows the designers essentially to see what the lens performance is going to be like before they design the lens itself. There are some real top-notch lenses made with this Optia technology. So if you're interested in how your lenses have been created and whether or not yours is one of them, then you can go and have a little read of the article. Fantastic. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us this week. Thank you very much for watching and or listening. Please give us a like and a subscribe. If you're on YouTube, give us a follow, a rating, perhaps even a review if you're listening on a podcast platform. 
Yeah, we are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music of the world in beautiful high fidelity. That's right. And then if you'd like to find us on the internet, we are on Instagram. I am at Rebecca underscore Danese. The shop is at Nikon at Gray's and Con is at Constantine Kotkin. Is that right? Yeah, you go there. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> like, as long as you can spell my name, you'll find me over there. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Okay. Bye.